Welcome to Personal Podcaster, the place where you learn how to create a podcast to develop your career. I'm your host, Angela Chong. Welcome back to another episode of Personal Podcaster. I'm your host, Angela Chong. Today, I am joined by Cinnamon Denise. Welcome, Cinnamon. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Angela. Thanks so much for having me. Um, really excited to talk about our topic today. Yay, awesome. You are a fabulous singer, songwriter, and musician. Plus, you help produce podcasts and have a direct influence on how each podcast sounds. And I couldn't miss the opportunity to speak with you because you are our resident expert. So let's dive right in and start with what goes into choosing music for podcasts? I think the very first place to always start is asking yourself if you need music in your podcast, right? So some shows may not even, it may not add value to it unless your show is a music podcast. This is, um, and even then, I feel like sometimes, depending on what you're talking about, like if it's music business, it may be a little different, right? But when you're trying to consider um, whether or not your show should have a should have music, I feel like that's the place start the place to start. Um, choosing music is not just going online and picking royalty free music that makes you feel good. Um, it's it's about really supporting what uh, your show is about, and sometimes even what that episode is about, right? So when I'm looking for music for the shows that I produce or my own shows or my friend's shows, I at least go from the initial consultation that we use. And here at Sweetfish, we call that the kickoff call. But if I do that on my own, I'll just call it like, hey, let's talk, right? So um, I, I really start with understanding who the host is, so if it's multiple people, what they actually like. So um, I do start to consider just what uh, generation they may be from, right? So I may ask them their age, uh, the music that they actually like. So when you're meeting with your main point of contact, uh, it's important to know just intuitively and a, sort of an emotional intelligence standpoint that that person is the gatekeeper for for the show. So here at Sweetfish, we call it like the creative decision maker. I, you know, I'll call it like who, who gets the final say, who's making, I say who's making the executive decisions. <laughs> um, so if the, you know, if the gatekeeper doesn't like the music, right, even just personally, it's not going to get past anyone um, in the company or anyone else on their team. Right. So they'll, they'll they won't be confident. And this is just what happens. Like personal preference always comes into play with any type of art. Right. Uh, so if they don't like it, it's not going to get past them. Even if there's 10 people on the team, the POC is the only one who likes it and everyone else likes it. They're pro the other nine people are not going to hear it. Right. Because the POC is like, no. Um, and right. the thing is, they may not. That POC may not tell you that they can't. They may not be able to articulate why they don't like it. 
right? Or they may not tell you that they don't like it. They just may say it's not a good fit. And mm -hmm. I think, and it's cool I'm talking to you, Angela, because I know you do a lot of studying on empathy and emotional intelligence and like the feel good wheel, which you sent me, which is super cool. Um, <laughs> so I hope you talk about that stuff at some point in your podcast, but. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thanks. Yes, <laughs> you're welcome. But nonetheless, yeah, that feel good wheel or the, is it the feel good wheel or the emotion wheel? You know, I don't know its technical name. It might be the feelings wheel, the emotions wheel. Yeah, you sent that to me and I was like, oh my gosh, this is actually like really cool. Cause anyway, that's a tangent. So what I'm saying, <laughs> so, but actually, no, I can kind of tie it in. So when you're thinking of music, right, you're thinking of an emotion mm -hmm. um, and depending on what the show is about, right? And depending on who the ideal listener is, you're wanting to find the sweet spot between appealing to your POC, your executive decision maker, your gatekeeper, and appealing to uh, their audience. Yeah, absolutely. So it needs to tie in to the emotions of the show, right? Mm -hmm. If it's very serious or if it's a little quirky or it's a little witty, like all these things kind of come into play. And at the end of the day, music helps define your personal brand. So there are various ways to do this, which I think we'll talk about. If we have time, we'll talk about music kits and music packs a little bit later. Okay. But um, yeah, that's how you start. Um, Cinnamon, so many great nuggets right there. Tying in music to emotions, understanding what the POC wants, your point of contact, what they like is so important. Yeah, elaborate a little bit more on focusing on your listener hopefully i'll remember everything i just thought of when you asked me that question <laughs> um, but essentially kind of the way that i approach first getting past the gatekeeper right is mm -hmm. um, especially at sweet fishes i'll go you know find them on linkedin i'll <laughs> kind of do a little bit of backwards research like i'll see okay um what year did they graduate from like undergrad Right. So mm. if it's 2000, they graduated from undergrad, they were likely uh, around 22, like 20 to 20, like 20 to 25. Right. Around um, that time. And that's you know, that's just me making a generalization 100 percent. But most times that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And so if that's in 2000, they were about 23, we'll say. And it's now 2000. 20 for the sake of me doing math um they're now 43 right? <laughs> they're now 43 which means you know thinking about that that means they kind of grew up around um the late 80s into uh like the 90s right so uh they spent their teens in the 90s and like their childhood in the 80s so i start to think okay what music is going to resonate with that um, POC, given that this is this was the top 40 billboard charts in in their teens? Right. Which is sure. I feel like I feel like as teenagers, that's like when we really start discovering and like paying attention and picking out what music we like. Um, <laughs> I feel yes. like the me I feel like the music of our gener like of our time uh, dictates who we are as people. Um, but yeah, so, so um, either way, so I kind of start there, right? And I do go off of, as well, like I do think about ethnicity, I think about, um, you know, where they're from, I think about their nationality and not necessarily like, oh, this person is uh, Korean, so I'm gonna put a Korean folk song, like I'm not doing it that way. <laughs> but I'm saying, I will think, okay, what music potentially, because most of our customers are US-based, so what music 
in the U.S. was popular in Korea in the 90s, right? So mm -hmm. that's like almost the backward, um, one of the many ways that I approach it. And um, there's also a difference between like if they're male, female, non-binary, so they're gonna be some, yeah. they're gonna fall in a different range, you know? Um, yeah. They're gonna fall in a different place on that like musical choice selection. Um, and then from there, I also start thinking about, so by that point, I, I can pretty much think, okay, I'll get, I'll get these eight to 10 tracks past the gatekeeper, okay. right? So from there, I start to think of the emotions mm -hmm. and, um, listening to other things, learning, you know, doing like discovery calls with the customer and learning what they want their listeners to know as like, why are they making the podcast and how, what are mm -hmm. they talking about? You know, if, the, if they're talking about, if there are CTOs mostly on the show, then likely they're talking about technology. So sure. likely the, the music should sound um, intellectual and intelligent, right? Or if they're, if the host is specifically very uh witty and kind of like sometimes awkward maybe a little weird but, you know like the music can the music can support like the host's personality um so you want to like highlight the host and really make them sound good and the music can do that and the last thing um out of all the many things that i think about is the bpm of the music, which is uh, just stands for beats per minute. And it's the same thing as the tempo, or you can say how fast the music is, right? Sure. So different BPMs uh, will feel different, right? If the, if the BPM is 60, which is basically just 60 beats per minute, which is the equivalent speed of seconds in a minute, right? Because if there's 60 seconds in a minute, beats 60 beats per minute, at 60 um, it's gonna feel like kind of mellow it's gonna feel pretty slow and then um, you know if you get to like that 80 to 100 100 BPM range it's gonna still feel relaxing but not put you to sleep like that's 60 BPM right sure. and then um, you know 100 to 120 is typically gonna be um, more energetic usually this is where like the motivational inspirational stuff like genres kind of land and mm -hmm. 120 to 140 is going to be like the energetic funky groove house electronic sometimes like rap or hip-hop um the 110 the 100 to 120 will be uh like lounge music you start to think okay the emotions the bpm and you start to try to piece it all together mm -hmm. and if you're sourcing from a royalty uh, free music site, which mm -hmm. I think we'll talk about later. Yes. They will have the BPMs um, on the track, on the track page. I know it's something that a lot of people miss, but it'll be there um, for various reasons. Wow. All these pieces to consider on something seemingly small. I would say we oversimplify choosing music for podcasts but there should be so much consideration that goes into choosing that track. BPM, emotions, host, highlighting the host, thinking about the audience. I love all of that. Thanks for sharing that. As a side note, I wanted to share with everyone that you will have a BPM breakdown that we can share in the show notes as a resource. And we can link it to your podcasting website as well. The music okay. executive, yes. shameless plug. Yes, the music, the music executive. We'll talk about it at the end, right? 
yeah, where we, can listeners find you, right? Isn't that absolutely. <laughs> Any other thoughts to add about music defining your personal brand? Yes, uh, absolutely. So uh, I am by no means a marketer. So <laughs> don't <laughs> don't write Angela nasty comments about you had this person position, you know, positioned as a marketer. I'm not a marketer. <laughs> However, <laughs> and I do understand, you know, the concept of a personal brand, your podcast brand, um, at least from a audio standpoint, right? So there's going to be ways like things that you can do in your podcast episodes that will add a personal brand. Like when I say personal brand, as it relates to your podcast, I really just mean like a sound library or the way it sounds right mm-hmm. um so there are specific instruments that will evoke specific emotions right so once you land on uh, this is the type of emotion you will basically once you get past the poc <laughs> then once you find your bpm that gives the emotion the next consideration of course is going to be the instruments so uh, Typically, different instruments are going to remind you of different things, different uh, instrumentations of tracks and like the way tracks are built, like the music tracks are built from the producer. They're going to remind you of different things. So typically, um, like an orchestra, right, or some sort of cinematic strings, maybe a harp, maybe some sort of like grand, like organic, natural piano sound is gonna make it's typically gonna be underneath the epic uh you know adjective on the on the site right so and this is not just if you're working with sites like if you're working with a actual producer like music producer they um, can and should really should be able to think okay this this my client said they want something epic so it probably needs to have you know, a full string section of some sort. Um, mm. Guitars, like acoustic gu- acoustic guitars, like uh, pretty much always equi- are equate to some sort of singer-songwriter feel where mm. it's like, uh, it feels very personable, right? Or the more uh, thin, but I'm not using thin in a derogatory way. I'm just saying the less instruments there are on the track, mm-hmm. the more personable it's probably gonna feel. So for example, the music, in the personal podcaster, uh, it's very thin. Like it's the piano, it has you know, specific range. I feel like it's like 100 to 110 BPM sort of. And so it has like this personal feel, this personable feel, it feels um, intimate and it allows your voice to come through. Um, nice. And then of course, like with personal brand, um, you can make things called like an audio brands library. And again, if you're working with an actual music producer, he, she, they should be able to make these for you, right? So there's something called the music ident or identifier, it's just short for identifier. And it's like a sound logo, the same concept, you know, when you open your MacBook and that's the sound, like when you turn your uh, Mac on and um, the same thing, if you open like Netflix, right? There's that sound that happens. Um, I know, I feel like when I was like eight years old, my mom had a gateway computer and there was a specific sound that I really remember. (laughs) Um, Things like that, right? So these are just literally sound logos or music identifiers. So it just allows you to identify what it is. Like you're gonna know, as soon as I hear that sound, I know I'm on Netflix, right? Um, So a lot of sites have those. And also, you know, that's what you'll look for 
more so for a sound, from a sound designer rather than a music producer. Mm-hmm. But I guess the thing to think about um, is just if it's music that you want or if it's a sound that you want. Because then if it's a sound, you want a sound designer. And if it's music, you want a music producer. Or you just want someone who does both, right? Which is, which is common too. And the last piece is that, you know, if you have, if you don't have a producer, you don't have a sound designer, or maybe you're teaching yourself and your sounds don't sound, you know, how you want them to quite yet, then some sites will have music kits, packs, and they'll give you access to their loops and their stems. So a music kit is just that, like it'll, it'll be sometimes it's like two to three tracks that are typically shorter, maybe 20 seconds or less that all sound very similar so if you have an intro you use one of the tracks you have a mid-roll ad use the second track and if you have an outro use the third track and it'll kind of make the whole show very cohesive and the music doesn't sound like so different from the intro if you're to the point where you're wondering if you're even looking listening to the same podcast right so sites call those music kits packs um and those are really useful. And the other thing is gonna be if you have access to stems or loops. Mm-hmm. So stems are just like the individual audio tracks of each instrument. And um, again, any producer, any music producer or sound designer is gonna know what a stem is 100%. And this just allows them to kind of have flexibility with the track. So for example, I had a customer say that they liked literally everything about a track except for like I think it was the tambourine or something like that (laughs) and they're like can you just take out the tambourine and so uh actually yes because the that that site right had the stems so literally all I had to do is pull all the stems and just don't put tambourine in it and then bounce it out or export it as you know a wave or mp3 or whatever so those are all things to consider you know when you're going to these sites like how many options do they actually have do they have like a 15 second version that sounds more succinct how long is the track and how long is my intro like like it needs to sound like whole and sometimes um actually it's really common too like it's starting to be a thing uh fading out a -hmm. track um especially when you're in like music when you're making songs can sometimes be like a cop-out in a way because it's like you you didn't end the song you faded it out it's not the same so if you can get <laughs> you can get a piece of music you'll actually probably start to notice now like more songs are um starting to have actual endings right instead of like fading out and um it's something to consider because it sounds more like this is the intro this is the beginning of the intro this is the end of the intro and it's wholesome and it's holistic so that's interesting that's definitely a call out right there i like that that again i just need to go back to so many people probably think this is really simple and it's not because you can take out instruments i didn't even I didn't know that. That's amazing. So, mm-hmm. so thank you for mentioning that. <laughs> You're welcome. And, then, and again, yeah. it's not on all sites. It's not on all sites, but that's right. even like I know here at Sweetfish, we're considering switching to a different site. And the first thing I said was, does it have the stems? Like, does this site give you the stems? Because wow. if not, what do we, if, a, if a person, you know, if a customer doesn't like the tambourine, I can't do anything. <laughs> right. Know? So. 
Can you share with listeners what websites you can go to? Maybe may I'm I'm going to safely assume that everyone has the budget for, you know, a sound designer or a sound producer or music producer. And we can go into that in just a minute. But what are some websites that people can check out? Yeah, so there are quite a few, honestly. Um, and each one, geez, it's like there are some uh, standards, right? Some things that are universal. Uh, the things that are going to be universal is that, you know, they're royalty free, um, sure. which which just means you can use it, you know, without a license. And um, or actually, when you buy it, that's when you buy the license, essentially. So that will give you the license to use it. Um, trying to think of another universal thing then another universal thing is going to be uh you'll you'll know who the artist was so Mm -hmm. if you want a lot of times and this is just because i like to connect with other producers and sound designers like you can Mm -hmm. find them typically they have a profile on that site then you can go to their website or you can find their ig you'll message them Nine, t- nine times out of ten they'll reply and then they'll be on the music executive podcast so, yeah. <laughs> so that's like the things literally that's how I do it so um, that's like the things that I consider um, things that are not universal um, the price uh, the music kits being there the packs the identifiers so some websites to check out are going to be audio jungle uh, that is one word or um, it's a sub- I think it's just a subsidiary of some sort of like flagship you know extension of Envato uh that's e-n-v-a-t-o and Angela will put a link in the show notes um they have a lot of price ranges uh Envato is superbly robust actually um they have a lot of options they do all the genre things that's another thing that's universal like it's going to have the genres on there Mm -hmm. um it's going to have the bpms as well if I didn't say that already but there's more variation in the price Uh, because there's different business models right so it's like you really got to think okay what's my budget and then kind of start to look through these things then because uh envato will let you buy the tracks one at a time right versus some is like you pay a monthly subscription or some you have to pay for a year right good point Um, so like what are you willing like what are you going to pay and it doesn't actually i think we're going to talk about why yeah why different beats will cost different prices but um it just depends on what you want like if you only want one song you're going to use it for a year yeah you probably don't need a yearly subscription right so so you probably would get away with spending 20 bucks on something on envato Mm -hmm. then you have premium beats which does have you know the stems does have like what they call the shorts does have the loops has the instrumental and the original and um there's I think on there there is like a subscription option and there is like an individual like track price option there's the monthly subscription there's a few more choices but it just depends again on what you're trying to get done you know then there's epidemic sounds which is epic Um, (laughs) and it's like one of the most robust like people are gonna know what that is right it's it's almost like the zoom of I don't know, virtual meetings, right? Like you're gonna, like, are you living, like, are you actually living in life on earth right now? Like, how do you not know what Zoom is, right? So, (laughs) so um, yeah, Epidemic sounds like you're, you're 
team is gonna know nine times out of ten or at least have heard that name before and the thing with epidemic sounds is that a lot of those sounds are like used on movies and um a lot of they have so many options this is one that i can say has everything it has the music packs it has way more like options of tracks just in general um and it has like the sound logos it has like sound effects which is different right it's not all music it has um various things and i think envato has sound effects too i'm pretty sure but yeah so epidemic sounds i they changed their business model (laughs) so when i went like back and i used my old like username and stuff they were like buy this and i was like what I was like, when did, I was like, when did this happen? So, <laughs> so, um, yeah, Epidemic Sounds is really cool. And then, of course, there's Ben Sound, right? So, Ben Sound does have free options. Um, okay. But there is also the factor of like, you get what you pay for, right? Or you, sure. or you don't get what you don't pay for, right? Yeah. So, and it doesn't mean that Ben Sound is not good, right? That's not what I'm saying. It just means there's not a lot of options. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of free options because Ben Sound has tracks you can purchase as well, but there's not a lot of free options. And the free options, uh, <laughs> because they're free, a lot of people use them. So, <laughs> so your show, you know, you may, you know, I think I found a track on Ben Sound one day, and I think like two months later, I was like, I feel like I know this track, <laughs> and oh. sure enough, it was on Ben Sound, right? But that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just like how do you want your show to sound and do you want it to only be related to you right so that's something to consider this is an interesting side question for you as someone take me for example as I continue my podcast and I see somewhere you know in a year or two down the line would it be weird to switch the music no no why (laughs) i well one are your is your show episodic or seasonal like by seasons it's seasonal right so if you're doing just think of it being seasonal like if it's seasonal think of it as like almost a different show really (laughs) um like so if it's seasonal i don't think it's going to negatively affect your show if you change the music okay if you change the music and it's more episodic Mm -hmm. and it's not like a theme you know like you do um i'm only using i know it's a shameless plug but i'm only using my show because it's the only thing i can think of so (laughs) if i'm doing a month on the music executive talking about the history of rap and Mm hip-hop then yeah i'll use some sort of track like that and then if next month the genre is country right Mm -hmm. then i'm probably going to change the music so it's like if you change the music actually have a reason not not and actually be strategic about it you know it's just like if a if a company does like rebrands like if they make a new logo or whatever Mm -hmm. it's just like what why are we doing this is it because hearing a Rhodes piano is now out of date it's so 90s right like mm-hmm. <laughs> let's take it out or is it because I'm bored with the show and it sounds stale which could also be a thing so sure. yeah sure. yeah I'm just thinking of you know iconic shows like The Office they would never think about changing 
mm-hmm. their theme song. I actually yeah. don't know of any TV but shows. But actually, but actually, think of it this way. So, I will challenge you yeah. <laughs> there because the length may change, right? Like, right. I definitely watched The Office, and I know in the beginning the theme song was a little longer, and then towards like I think season six or seven because there's eight seasons. So I think six or seven, they just did that like 10 second version versus the like 15 second. And on top of that, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air added the first like, in the first season, I think the first maybe four episodes had an extended theme song, right? So there's Mm -hmm. an entire verse, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is like one of my favorite shows. So there's an entire extra like verse and a half that disappeared basically wow <laughs> right so it does it can change in that way so that's the, gotcha. what i'll challenge you on <laughs> that's good thank you for that you're welcome can you share why beats and tracks cost money i know that's a maybe it might be an odd question <laughs> but as i think through you know going online thinking about budget options for tracks I was surprised to learn when I started this role that a track, a single track can cost $50, $60. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred dollars. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, I will tell you, (laughs) uh, this is my personal opinion. I will tell you if you can get a music track for a hundred dollars, that's a steal because of how much time it actually takes to make a music track. Mm. Um, that's, it's almost like, I don't know. This is coming from me being a uh, music producer, but it's like you got to sell a lot of tracks to make some substantial money. Um, But that being said, if you make a track that a lot of people like, you actually can. If you make a lot of tracks that a lot of people like, you actually can. I know some people who do make their like their full time salary, like their their salary just doing this type of thing. Right. Um, So why beats cost money? Right. Because of one producers like producers on these sites, especially on Audio Jungle, can set their own price. Mm -hmm. Right. So sometimes when you're first starting out, you're just trying to get get somebody to even see your track because you're probably on page 30. Right. (laughs) So you're just trying to get someone to see your track and hope that it starts to pick up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it may be an amazing beat or track or whatever, but because you're new, <laughs> yeah. you have to like lower your price. But I would never, I would never say like do a price that you feel like you're literally being robbed. Right. So right. that's the first thing, the first thing. And then there's also this concept of network effects where it's just like the more tracks <laughs> that are on a site and the more of the producers who add tracks to the site, mm-hmm. the more people, the more customers are going to go to that site, which means you're more likely to get your tracks bought, right? Yeah. So it's just like, it ends up being um, better. You know, it's the same concept of like, um, you know, ride shares. The, right. the more drivers there are, the more riders there are, the more riders there are, the more, the higher the demand for riders goes. So the network is like mutually uh, beneficial. Sure. Then there is the difference in quality too. Mm -hmm. Um, 
because I have seen on some sites that will go unnamed where it's like, this is $5, yes, but it sounds horrible. <laughs> um, like the mastering itself sounds horrible. Uh, yeah. yeah, I can't use this. So there's gotcha. a difference in quality. Um, the length, like how long do you want the track to be? Uh, so yeah, we talked about that. Like, is there a, a short version or whatever? Right. And the length of time also dictates how much time the producer spent on it too, right? Right. And also how difficult it is to create. If I'm a producer and I play guitar it's, and um, I got all my equipment, um, I can make a guitar, like just a guitar, just an acoustic guitar track. And it could take me, you know, like an hour to track it and then maybe another hour to mix it and uh, master it and put it up on the site, right? Yeah. So if I'm a, this is just an estimate. Um, but if I'm a, you know, if I'm only making acoustic guitar sounds, that's another thing. Like if you find a specific genre that starts to work for you, like you should start making a lot in that genre. Mm. So um, if I'm a good acoustic guitar player, right? This is my full-time job. It takes me about two and a half hours to do a track, you know, con um, including uploading it. And I should be able to make about three tracks a day. And if I work uh, five days a week, right, as my full-time, I can get, 12 to 15 tracks uploaded per week right so on these sites it's like the more you upload the more chances you have to um to get seen and think of it just like content you know on youtube the algorithm will push you out if you're not con consistently posting same mm -hmm. thing with instagram all that stuff so side hustle for all musicians out there that is <laughs> that sounds intimidating a little bit just to always beyond creatively um i'm sure i'm sure so many artists go through that but that's really fascinating i mean yeah bottom line this is art and artists deserve to be paid so that's really great thank you yep yeah you're welcome there are some podcasts that have transition sounds what are your thoughts about having sound other sounds in, in a podcast I think it goes right back to when we started. Mm -hmm. Like know why you're doing something. Yeah. Um, know why you're putting it in there. And I know some some uh, customers and personal clients that I work with, they're like, oh, let's add this sound. And I'm like, why? You know? <laughs> and yeah. it's not really it's not really me judging them. I'm like, do you even know why you want this sound in here? Because I'm one, I'm not about to make it if it doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> And two, uh, like, it's literally gonna, you know, add time to like this whole production process. Sure. Um, it's just knowing why you have it. So think of these sounds. I'll go back to my um, TV show analogy, like especially the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air does do this. So you'll have the theme song, right? and pretty much there'll, there'll be a commercial after that and then <laughs> it'll have like what's called bumpers right the bumpers are just like the little pieces of music that kind of bring you into the scene oh yeah and um those are like i feel my personal opinion those are the equivalent of swoosh sounds or um sound logos or whatever in podcasts and you can do bumpers in podcasts too which would be really cool um sure. which would kind of make you go to the music pack and kit lane right so yeah. i just think uh but also you could 
I'm sorry if I'm going on a tangent, but also you could do like, like if the platform that you're pulling the music from has uh, the stems, then you can, or has the loops too, then you can just only do the loop as like the bumper, right? Right. So That's good. Um, the main thing is to know why you're doing it. Are you using it to make sections? Um, and what kind of podcast do you have? Is it narrative? Is it kind of uh, like more like a, you know, audio drama? Is it, um, you know, is it short form? Is it a story? Like, why are you using this? Mm-hmm. And uh, kind of go from there and then start to find references, right? Like start to find shows that are in the same genre, have a similar format mm-hmm. and see if they do that. And uh, if they do, take note of where it is yeah that's that's a great idea because it really is when i think about you know tv shows other podcasts it's a whole production so the more sounds the more production that goes into it the longer it does take yeah i don't know the more of a full production it feels like mm-hmm yeah. I think through my theater background and yes, all of, all of the sounds are placed so specifically, but that's a lot of the time, you know, sounds have to go along with something like the telephone ringing and that's up to the sound effect operator. But for a podcast, it would be something like sections. Um, I can mm-hmm. see it like a narrative style, but for an interview, why would people use different sounds besides sections? I feel like maybe the first thought I had was like, if it's a kid's podcast. <laughs> um, I honestly can't think of an example of why I would, especially in a just like a standard kind of yeah. interview format. I honestly yeah. can't think of a very good reason um, other than sections, okay. other than like basically think of it like your commercial break. You know, right. I wouldn't, I can't think of an example, but I wouldn't say like as a rule of thumb, don't do it. It's just, I can't, sure. I can't think of a reason. No, yeah, no, that's okay. I was just curious if there were any other thoughts. How do you develop your ear if you're not a musical person? Well, I mean, so many people like music, but this is like figuring out branding and things like that. I think one starting with the, um, understanding what instruments right okay. what different instruments sound like because mm-hmm. I think you know you and I Angela or other musicians we know right I play the bassoon I've been in an orchestra I've been in a full orchestra I've been in a band I've been in like a quartet all this stuff um I can we you and I both can hear oh clearly that's a flute you mm-hmm. know oh clearly that's a soprano saxophone not an alto saxophone right <laughs> so it's hard to do that if you haven't um been around it a lot Mm -hmm. so what I would say as far as developing your ear is to start with knowing what the sounds and like timbres are Mm. of different instruments right so start listening to more music (laughs) and if you can watch things that at least show you what instrument that person is playing right um because if you can see, if you can put the instrument together and kind of see like, okay, this is an oboe. This is what an oboe sounds like versus an English horn. You'll start to know the difference. And like orchestra video or, or orchestra, like symphony orchestra videos, full orchestra videos are really good to start with, especially with more 
famous composers who have really intricate um, scores, who do, who use all the instruments to, who orchestrate the instruments to highlight the best parts of them, right? Mm -hmm. Um, A good composer, which I thought I was going to be a composer, like, I thought I wanted to be, and then I started doing it, and I was like, no. But (laughs) I was like, no, I don't want to do this. But a good composer is going to understand and know, or at least have a reference to highlight and optimize that instrument. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Instruments and voices have, like, tessitoras, which is just essentially the most comfortable or, like, recognizable, like, range of that instrument right so um yeah I would just start with understanding different pieces understanding what the different what different instruments sound like okay and even backing up from that understanding the um the types of instruments like woodwind versus brass versus string versus percussion um so that's important and then from there (laughs) once you do that (laughs) start to understand um what frequencies are start to understand a little bit of audio uh, engineering not necessarily to do audio engineering but understand things the way different frequencies um, sound and affect you right so I think we talked about Angela the something that's called the Fletcher Munson curve and Mm -hmm. it's also known as the equal loudness contour and um, it's kind of a physics topic but I feel like audio and physics can can um, definitely intersect but it's essentially the way um, the ear responds to different frequencies and it basically is it is kind of explaining it's definitely a graph first of all but it's hard to understand the graph without reading (laughs) the description of it first he's like what am I looking at here but essentially what there is like specific frequencies where the human ear doesn't respond as sensitively to that frequency and then it gets when the frequencies get higher again it starts to respond to that frequency at a higher sensitivity right so um it's almost like the reason why if you see a marching band the flutes are going to be in front of the tubas you know like, <laughs> you know or like if you want to hear the tubas you don't put them you know if it's a tuba highlight or a tuba um solely like you're going to put the tubas in front of the flutes right mm-hmm. so it's like you're going to want to understand how things should be placed and how frequencies are going to affect the human ear that's fascinating <laughs> things I would never think about so <laughs> that's amazing yes so my main takeaways there are listen more listen to the different sections of music by sections I'm thinking band or orchestra but just the different types of instruments listen to specific instruments I would throw in watching YouTube videos listening to different podcasts yeah really doing your music homework basically mm-hmm. yep I remember in band <clears throat> as a side story I remember in band doing that exercise as a warm-up he would just my band teacher would just put on a music track and say okay tell me the instruments that you hear and it mm-hmm. was fascinating but you're right flutes are always in the front <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, but there's, I mean, there's a lot of science behind it too, right? Like the lower a frequency is, the like wider the wavelength is and the slower it moves, but it can overtake, sure. like it can overtake different things. It just depends on how the sounds are interacting. But yeah, uh, I think my band director in like fourth grade did that too. Nice. <laughs> so yeah. Awesome. A couple of rapid fire questions as we wrap up our time together. All of this has been fascinating and I hope I've, I've learned so much. So I hope everyone listening has learned so much today about music and choosing music for podcasts. Rapid fire questions. Number one, switching gears here totally. What is your best piece of career advice? Try a lot of different things. Um, And I know, yes, eventually you do want to like specialize in something. But like I said, I thought for the longest time I wanted to be a film composer. Yeah. And then it's like, wait a minute, I don't want to do this. (laughs) This sucks. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Right. And then I thought, oh, I want to be a music business major. And then I'm like, wait, I'm not doing any music, you know? Um, So trying to find the balance and, actually do things you know I don't know how the pandemic affected other people of course but I do know their the unemployment rate shot through the roof right so and I was also unemployed um lost both of my part-time jobs within like two three days of each other right Mm, and I know a lot of the older you get the more of course you're opposed to doing free work which you should be because you specialize but at that at that moment in time I was like well if I, you know, as I apply to jobs and um, try to like still continue to network, I want something to show for it, right? Like I don't want to like waste this time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it also helped with my mental health, right? Because it kept me uh, developing and it kept me um, just excited about my life because of being unemployed for an extended period of time for someone like me who does tie their productivity to their self-value, which is not how you should do that. (laughs) But I'm just being transparent, but staying busy, like keeping busy, like taking on clients, like just learning more things just out of experience Mm -hmm. is what really kept my momentum in my career, right? So I did do like an internship for, uh, I think three podcasts at one time. Um, And I was like editing, I was doing all the scripts, I was doing all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And one of them did turn into like a paid contract, which is good. It's not always gonna happen that way. People will say, oh, we wanna turn this into paid. And then they're like, okay, we're done with this project and you never get paid. But (laughs) what I will say is at the end of the day, um, you know, when I interviewed for Sweetfish, Mm -hmm. they're like, oh, you have podcasting experience. Granted, I was broke, but <laughs> but now, you know, they're like, oh, you have experience here, you know, and it wasn't, um, there wasn't a gap in my resume, which gaps happen in your resume for different reasons, of course. But sure. for me, I was like, if there doesn't have to be a gap and I can get better at this, I'm going to do it. <laughs> sure. I love that. Don't, so don't be afraid to experiment, try new things, especially during seasons of unemployment. Like mm-hmm. especially forced unemployment, like a worldwide pandemic makes a lot of sense. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, okay. And then the second question is, what is your current favorite podcast? Oh, gosh. Um, yoga is dead. <laughs> mm. 
it's called yoga is dead okay um there's two but i'll I'll say yoga is dead um i'm a big yogi i love yoga everybody is sweet fish and they mama and and (laughs) all my friends and everybody on facebook or instagram they know that about me um i'm a yoga teacher as well but there's so much um there's a lot of colorism in especially in the Western world about oh, in yoga. And so this podcast talks about like, I think one of the episode names is like how skinny white women um, made yoga like whack or something like that. <laughs> like how, I think it was how skinny white women ruined yoga in America or something like wow. that, right? So yeah. I love stuff like that. And yeah. um, especially just that because of, uh, because I'm a brown yogi, because I'm a female yogi, there's not a lot of men in yoga too. So mm-hmm. I like seeing like representation or at least there being some sort of acknowledgement of, hey, this is not diverse. Why is it not diverse? You so know? Good. So yeah, that podcast is really good. Mm. I feel like we could have a whole other discussion. That would be so great. <laughs> Especially as I start getting into topics like career, development developing skills like developing equal opportunities you know for diverse folks (laughs) that is so that's such a topic that we need to talk about you know exactly exactly i love that cinnamon where can people connect with you yeah so uh i go by cinnamon denise i'm a music artist audio editor uh podcast producer um singer performer (laughs) music producer, all these things. And she's just I go, so multi-talented. <laughs> that's when I say, do a lot of things and see which yes. one you like. Um, I would say uh, pretty much anywhere if you just Google Cinnamon Denise. Um, but primarily I'm most active on Instagram uh, mm-hmm. as Cinnamon Denise, it's just at Cinnamon Denise. And um, also, you know, if you wanna chat about anything or just wanna reach out, Cinnamontanise uh, at gmail.com is my email. And of course, listen to the Music Executive podcast, yes. which I think one, this episode will likely be on there uh, <laughs> as like a cross, cross marketing, cross yeah. promotion thing. But yeah, I respond to all the messages I get, unless you're creepy. And then, <laughs> but otherwise, I 100% respond. And um, yeah, thank you so much, Angela. This has been great, Cinnamon. I really appreciate your time today. You're welcome. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Personal Podcaster. Thanks so much for joining us today. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. And if you can, please leave us a quick rating of the show. Just tap the number of stars that you think the podcast deserves. Until next time.